Because look, it's a crime against humanity for me to cover up this face. It deprives everyone around me of being able to see me. The Georgia Virtue presents the Let Me Tell You Why You're Wrong podcast. Welcome to episode 211. This week we have gangster basketball, government abusing cash. We have Marjorie Taylor Greene, and lots more. I'm Dave Roberts. <laughs> I know. <laughs> this week's gonna be awesome. With me, <laughs> giggling we're, in the background. We're gonna talk about a lot of stuff this week. We are. That's awesome. We are. <laughs> if, as you couldn't hear, Jessica Salaji. Hello, hello. <laughs> Luckily, I am I am awake and on my game. Hopefully, I probably just jinxed it, but I'm at yeah, least ready. I'm I'm more ready than we're about ready to talk about some stuff. Yeah, we're about ready to do some stuff and things. Hey, I was <laughs> up late recording my other show. Mm-hmm. Sorry, Eric, who edits that show also, who had to dump his lap after he went to bed. Yeah. So how are you doing down there? Um, it's yellow, it's windy, it's cold, then it's hot, then it's raining, but we're here. How about you? Yeah, for the next uh, couple of weeks, you can have any color car you want as long as it's yellow. I mean, go to God. This is why I pay for a monthly membership at the car wash. Mm-hmm. Can't hide money. <laughs> Can't hide money. Yeah, <laughs> that 12 bucks a month. Ooh. <laughs> Which I'll probably get an email from him shortly going, due to rising costs, it's now $50 a month. Right. <laughs> so this was a pretty interesting story that you sent me. I, I read it last night. Gangsta night was supposed to be fun. Uh, some thought it was racist. Mm-hmm. So this story is out of, um, well, I always, I have like different Google alerts for s- different local government and small town um, tags and stuff. So sometimes it's not always Georgia, but the in- the stories are interesting. This one's out of New York, and I can kind of um, – I can very much paint the picture of the small town because I cover small towns. So um, this is Windsor, New York, where there's 833 people. Um, it's a very white town, I'm according to statistics and – the articles that I read about it. Um, but this was a, this was an event that was supposed to happen at a, or it did happen at a basketball game. Um, and the theme was gangsta night. And it's, it's a, it's divided the community and it was student organized. So, um, you know, they were, They were supposed to pretend to be members of the Crips and the Bloods um, out of L.A. And so they had fake teardrop tattoos and some wore shower caps, white tank tops, low rise jeans that exposed their underwear. Um, And then I guess from the article, it said that one person proclaimed he was from the, the Bronx and wore a thick chain around his neck. They flashed hand signals and snap photos and shared them on Snapchat. Um. First of all, like, I mean, it's a really interesting concept. I don't think I've ever heard Gangsta Night as a yeah, theme. Yeah, you, you've heard of, of pimp and hoe balls and stuff like that. That's typically college level, but. Yeah. I mean, you've heard of pimp and hoe ball parties. Yeah. So and the pictures bo- were on the internet, of course, because they were on Snapchat, they were on social media, things like that. And it got the attention. I mean, it was, it all happened in public. Um, but, and it happened at a basketball event and, but supposedly the basketball, one of the coaches was mortified and horrified when he saw the images, um, online and they, that his players had participated. Um, 
and he said he messaged all of the athletes to chat about it and express his disappointment, and no one responded. Um, so that is what prompted the local school district to investigate. And they said that some of the students had violated the school's dress code and committed actions of discrimination um, and, quote, you know, violations. And then some faced consequences, but the superintendent did not say what those consequences were. Oh, this school's had a, a theme night, I guess, every year. I think last year it was uh, Hillbilly Day or whatever they called it. Uh, so they they, they kind of do this, you know, every year. We had gangster-themed parties. And, of course, it was making, you know, emulating the mob, so... Guys would wear fedoras and carry fake machine guns and you know, look like a member of the Sicilian mob for a party. I mean, that's that sort of stuff happens all the time, and you don't hear of the uh, uh, Italian Anti-Defamation League coming out saying, you know, you're appropriating our culture or anything like that. And the they're, superintendent they're, said that it didn't, like, it was thrown together haphazardly and they did not authorize the theme. Um, it was last minute, blah, blah, blah. Um, I don't. They're uh, students. They're, they're, they're children. I mean, yeah, they're 16, 17, 18. It was at the high school. But, I mean, if you think it's offensive, I mean, they're students. They they make dumb decisions. I don't. I don't think it's some scandal. Um, no, it's not. I mean, kids do stupid stuff. I don't know. Is, is that stupid? If I mean, it's just a goofy thing to do. It's it's more emulating the the gangster rap uh, thing than it is making fun of it. You know, these guys they they get them they get images off. I say MTV. No one watches MTV anymore because they don't have, doesn't have music but off of, video, off of videos on YouTube or whatever else, and they emulated, you know, they said, well, let's let's do Gangsta Night. We did did Hillbilly or Redneck or whatever it was last year. We'll do Gangsta Night this year. It, it just, that doesn't really raise an eyebrow for me. It was is, is it appropriate? I don't know. Would it be different if it, if it were a school that were uh, more evenly mixed? Maybe. So the coach that was upset said he was hired last year and it's been an uphill climb as a black man trying to explain to white parents and students why the costumes went beyond innocent entertainment and came across as offensive instead. And his quote was, some of these adults are saying, oh, you're just making a fun thing that kids do over clothes as a major issue. But it is a major issue. Let me ask you a question. Are you going to be looked at as a threat in those clothes and get stopped by the police and harassed? If I do it, I'll get ripped apart. But First of all, that's that, not really like a problem. That's not really a reason, in my opinion. That's not a, a reason to be. It's also not reality. The, well, but it's not the. Re it's not a legitimate reason to be uh, like disappointed or offended by the event because you're just a, like. I mean, I don't know. Just because you can't do something. You say you can't do something as a costume. I, I, I actually have, have done something similar to this. In my public speaking class in college, I had to dress up like an MS-13 gang member. Um, and I had to drive to class that way. I actually got pulled over on the way there in my attire. No, I wasn't asked any questions, even though I was wearing sweatpants and a white tank top and... Um, Please say there are pictures. A bandana, but, um, you know, <laughs> I just, um, no, I wasn't questioned, but I don't think I wasn't doing anything that would warrant me being questioned, you know, like I was driving. I was yeah, speeding, look, if of it's it, it, yeah, cowboy Indians, uh, oh, can't do that, can't appropriate that culture. If you want to do something to celebrate uh, Cinco de Mayo, no, 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 you, you can't wear a sombrero. I, I, the theme nights are supposed to be fun, so I don't know what 
I guess you just can't have fun anymore. I would be, I mean, I would be offended. I mean, not offended. I, cause I, I don't like that word, but I wouldn't want to be called a hillbilly. Ah, I mean, yeah. And they said that, I'm just saying, like, that wouldn't, I wouldn't find that like a fun theme. I don't think it's offensive. I don't, but like, I don't, if they said that they did it about their own community and people live on farms and in the country. Well, just because you live on a farm or in the country doesn't mean like, but, but nobody lashed out or, um, in fact, is if we're talking about a, a school inside the city of New York that's predominantly black and they had a hillbilly day, you wouldn't, would you, none of us would be offended. Okay. Apparently only 22 students in the high school are in the district, which has 1600 students across all of it are black, less than 2%. But, um, yeah. And, and I, and I've heard, I've read some of the quotes from some of the recent graduates who, who, uh, who were black and, and some of the students and talked about, you know, being called racial slurs and, and things like that in class and teachers not doing anything about it and, and whatever. <clears throat> I don't know how much is that, that that's true. I don't, it, but would it be any less if, if they were anywhere else? And does that, I don't know. I, I think there's a, there's a cognitive disconnect between doing gangster night and a student saying something stupid and offensive to another student. It's, there's, there's a cognitive disconnect there because I don't think that Gangster Night was intended to mock anyone. It was intended to dress up and have fun. And, you know, it's a, it's a culture that, that these kids have been inundated with since they were born. It's, you know, these kids at 17 years old have never lived in a world without YouTube. Well, I just don't, I just don't like this world we're living in where everything is a scandal i guess that's what it comes down to like okay so let's just say that it was it did slip through the cracks and there were some people who had bad intentions i don't think that everyone who dressed up did it to um offend or harm or embarrass other people um i also failed to see why i mean the word gangsta are we going to pretend that like i mean if you're in a gang you're a gangsta that that is well and are we going to pretend a, that that's not a reality well and it's something that we got in our vernacular out of the music industry the culture like it would yeah. it, it, I wouldn't even know the term if 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 I didn't hear it with NWA and Ice Cube and and Snoop and and that kind of stuff. I didn't. I wouldn't even know what it was other than I could figure it was gangster. Well, and do gangsters or gangstas, however you want to say it, do they do they dress the way that they suggested here? I. I I don't know. I mean, I know a certain amount of uh, of it is uniform as far as identifying, you know, who's on what block and who's. But I have no idea. The last time I knew anything about gangs, I mean, I have no need to, to know a whole lot about it because we do have gang activity in Paulding County. But I don't I don't see the L.A. blue handkerchief versus red handkerchief thing. And I don't know if that's still a thing. But, yeah, it's, it's sort of a uniform and be able to identify each other based on colors. You know, assuming you saw the movie that was made 25 years ago. Mm -hmm. Yes, but I don't know. I just, I, everyone obviously has the right to feel the way they, they want to feel. Yeah, I, I, I don't. I, I, look, the, I, the best thing they could, could say is, you know what, this wasn't the best idea. From now on, theme nights will be cleared through administration. Yeah, and and but to come out and say that it was acts acts of discrimination. I mean, who did you discriminate against? Who was harmed? Who was told they couldn't do something or had to do something? I mean, right. I mean, that's not cool. Uh, yeah, it's it. We live in a world where the the victim is the highest form of being, and no one was actually victimized. But you wouldn't believe the things I saw. There were shower caps in. 
uh, pants hanging off of butts. It was horrible. Did anybody touch you? No. Anybody say anything to you? No. Anybody keep you out? No. Okay. How are you a victim? So, speaking of victims, we have taxpayer victims. Mm-hmm. ARPA abuse. Yeah. In headlines of, I told you so, like, all of a sudden they're like, oh my gosh, look at all these abuses that are piling up. Oh my gosh, these local governments and state governments aren't using the money the way we said they should use the money. What are we going to do? I blame the county and city attorneys for a lot of this stuff. It's their job to keep these, you know, no. elected folks out of trouble. I blame Congress. They never should have given them well, the money in the first place. Yes. Yes, but when these municipalities do stupid stuff, they pay a county t- attorney, a city attorney, to keep them from doing stupid stuff. Because, look, most of the people that run for county commission or city council are just citizens. They're just they're just trying to do the best thing they can for the community for the most part, or a lot of times for themselves. Uh, and they're... they're they they start thinking that they're they're smart and get into the, to the league of minutia of well maybe this does count as as this maybe we can use this for that. So the um, examples of abuse. I I want to hold on. County attorneys and the problem with county attorneys and city attorneys is that ninety nine percent of the time the county attorney is the lowest bidder. Or the. Uh, uh, chairman's or mayor's friend. I think it should be law that you can't have a county attorney from where you live. Like, I think it has to be, they should have to be at least like 50 miles away. That'd be expensive. No, zoom them in. They don't need to be there. What do they need to be there for? They, they need to be in the damn room when they're, when they're in executive session. Mm-hmm. Because the, the, the county attorney's they just job. Sit there. They just sit there. Why? They need to be a referee and say, no, uh, no, Mr. Chairman, you can't discuss that. This is only for. That's never going to happen. Never. It will never happen. That's their damn job. But it will never happen. They Well, I understand what I'm talking about. Now I'm the idealist and you're you're the realist. Yeah. (laughs) But going back to the ARPA abuse, I mean, some of the things. You know, I've we've seen. I think we've all seen headlines at this point about different things, and and um, the most recent headlines are kind of spurred by um, Rubio's request that the Government Accountability Office. Um, of course, they're blaming it on Democrats. Which you know, if you look at the roll call vote from ARPA, it was fifty to forty nine because it was in March of twenty twenty one, which was a year after the first round of. CARES Act funding, but there's been just as much abuse. So I kind of like a little bit resent the fact that we're pretending all of a sudden that like Democrats are the only, I mean, we've talked about on the show, both parties, both presidents under COVID have funneled money everywhere, every which direction. So And and contributed to inflation and everything else. When people start blaming all the inflation on Biden, like, yeah, remember the first round when all Walmart TVs went up to twenty five hundred bucks, whatever it was, yeah. guess who that was? So you know, this is a recent. I think there should be accountability. I don't know that there will be, but um, I, you know, we should. I'm glad that it's at least getting pointed out because it's absurd. I mean, a police department in Honolulu used one hundred fifty thousand dollars to buy a robot dog so they could monitor unhoused populations. I mean, what's, why couldn't you just get a drone at that point? To keep an eye on bums. Yeah. Um, in Wisconsin, they, a, a lot of the criticism has been on law enforcement because a lot of times law enforcement is underfunded anyway, but, um, you know, a $5,000 signing bonus to recruit new officers. I don't think anyone is against that. I'm just against you using COVID money to do it. Um. Right. Yeah. If if the people of Wisconsin want to, to to pay more for recruiting officers, 
that's fine. This money was earmarked for COVID. And that's what I'm talking about, the mental gymnastics. Like, I'm sure they got into a room and go, well, we we would have more officers if it weren't for COVID. So in order to recruit more officers, we're going to use the COVID funds. Well, and, you know, the ARPA bill was never... Like, when they say it's supposed to be used for COVID, like, if if you were just going to talk about things on a superficial level, you would think, okay, uh, PPP or PPE um, products, vaccine implementation, actual, like, distribution of these products, um, testing, and then care, right? Like, that's what I think most people would think. Maybe there's a few things that could be the legs off of that EMS. But when you... I was about to say, ambulance services to to transport, uh, upgrading uh, ambulance to be able to handle uh, COVID patients without infecting infecting everybody in the ambulance. um, Uh, Cleaning services, cleaning abilities for for ambulance and ER, dealing with with that. Yeah, stuff that's directly related to... Right. But then you look at... um, And of course, like we can all make the argument that COVID impacted our lives, whether we had COVID or not. I mean, that, that is the truth. Like, because of what the government was doing. But when you look at the bill, I mean, it was 243 pages. So it's not like what we just said, we said in what, probably 10 bullet points in a couple sentences. Like it, it didn't have to be 243 pages. But the reason it is, is because there's farm loan assistance for socially disadvantaged farmers and EBT program expansions and um, student aid information and national endowment for the arts um, stipulations. I mean, Head Start, child care stabilization, the list goes on and on and on. And so, you know, just as well as I do that a local government is going to have a pet project in mind and go look at the list and be like, well, this is close enough. I'm going to stop saying I'm from here. Yeah, How about Broward County? Man. Oh man! One hundred and forty million dollars cash infusion pl- to break ground on a high-end hotel that will have views of the Atlantic Ocean and eleven thousand square foot spa. I'm assuming that that's because there was some like the county acquired the property and then I guess decided to flip it through like development authority type stuff. Um, don't agree, but whatever. But it's it, it's very hard to. to connect those dots to COVID. I even even the most mental gymnastics I can think of doing say, well, COVID wouldn't be so bad if we had a, another resort. Yeah. Um, uh, Dutchess County, New York, pledged $12 million for renovations of a minor league baseball stadium to meet requirements uh, the New York Yankees set for their farm teams. That's, I mean, it's not even COVID limitations of like, Spacing stuff. I mean, none of that. Um, Ted Kennedy's Institute for the U.S. Senate in Boston, which is a non or nonprofit that they created after he died. I guess it has struggled for years. They got five million dollars to pay off debts for it. Um, for a nonprofit, like you know, Alexandria, Virginia, Alexandria, Virginia, overhauled their tourism website. Um, well, so did uh, uh, Wound Socket, Rhode Island, remodel their tourism rep website. Yeah. I, I don't. That seems to be a, a theme with a couple places, the in, tourism. Well, yeah. Uh, I mean, I guess they're trying to draw people back to build back revenue, but I just, I don't see it. And then in Maine, this is one of the most, I guess, probably well-documented abuses, in my opinion. Apparently, there was a city that had... um applied for some sort of grant to get a, a roof on their community center and it was denied. So then they used the money from this instead. Like, uh, I don't think you can do that, but it's. N- yeah. Meanwhile, you've got, you've got hospitals that can't, that are losing nurses. You've got, uh, ambulance services that, that are so stretched so thin that, People bleeding on the side of the road have to wait 30 minutes to get uh, emergency care. And it's never ending. I mean, this is this is all going on 
and on and on and on and on and on, and it's never going to end. I mean, we're already talking about the gas stimulus. Freaking Gavin Newsom is doing it in California, and the, and Congress wants to give people a hundred dollars a month every time gas goes over four dollars a gallon for any period in a month for the for the rest of the year, and so. It would be for each taxpayer. So if you filed jointly, you would get $200 a month. And then if you have dependents, you get $100 for each of them. So a family of four is going to get $400 a month from the federal government to help offset gas prices that are up because of decisions by the freaking federal government. Yeah. Let me fix this with more free money. You know, it's all Putin's fault. Well, and God, I don't man. know if you yep. um, saw too. Well, first of all, the the lawmakers in in Congress who propose this are from Illinois, which yes, not all of it is Chicago big city stuff, but the people, some of the stuff they're talking about, like the people don't they use mass transit? They don't they don't have a car. They're not paying for gas. So, the, and the time that it's going to take for something like fees to trickle down to people on something like that is. Um, is much longer than people who are dealing with it at the pump where we wake up and the next day it's 20 cents more. But, you know, that doesn't stop them from proposing that and freaking Gavin Newsom coming rolling up saying he's going to allocate $750 million for three months worth of free public transit for everybody. Like, please tell me, are, are you telling me that like you drive a truck for work, a work truck, like you're going to park it and take public transportation because gas gets too high? No. Yeah. How about people who don't live in LA, who don't live in San Fran? They're taxpayers too. So you're telling me that the taxpayers out in Napa have to pay to give free public transportation to the people in control. LA? The answer to inflation is not more free money. And the only way to get through inflation is to grin and bear it because it's here. You have to punch through the other side. And there's giving people more money and opening the spigot further. Inflation is like having a flood. And government caused it by opening the spigot. And their solution is to open it more. It's not to close the spigot first and then start getting the water out of the flood zone. And they, even when, I mean, anything they give, they can't take away. You know, how long have, no, how long yet. has this nonsense with the um, extended EBT stipend gone on? I don't want people to starve. Look, I know people who do, I do people who know people who do fairly well that open the mail and got like an EBT card. What the hell is this? It's, it's ridiculous. It's not even means tested anymore. Well, free lunch it's, hasn't it's, been means tested. It's, and yeah, well, you get what you pay for, don't you? This is a good time to remind you that these are our opinions and not those of anyone not on the show or any respective company for which we may work, own, or otherwise associate ourselves with on a regular or irregular basis. Also, you can find other episodes, and relevant stores over the georgiavirtue.com. We, we, we just had my home, my home county of Broward. Now we have my congresswoman. Margie Taylor Greene's candidacy for office has been challenged. 42-page lawsuit by the Free Speech for People group. Never heard of them, but um, that's not whatever. Um, they said that she's constitutionally disqualified from congressional office for her involvement in the January 6th Capitol riot. It says she violated the 14th Amendment, which states that no person who, having previously taken an oath as a member of Congress, shall have engaged in insurrection or rebellion. Don't you think that if she could be charged, right. they would have charged her? There was no insurrection, number one. Number two, the 14th Amendment specifically applied to members of Congress who uh, went and fought for the Well, uh, I understand that, but 
like they have charged people and they have charged people with regard to insurrection. So whether or not you believe that it, it was one or not, it doesn't matter when the federal government comes in and says, we're charging you with that. My point is that she's low hanging fruit. They, if they wanted to make a spectacle, wouldn't they have just charged her already? You would think so. Number one, I'm you, charge is not a conviction. Well, now they they make it a conviction. I know, of something, but my point but, is that like there would have been criminal pursuit of a criminal pathway if that was a thing. You can't just you. That's especially what I'm her saying. because there's there aren't. Yeah, yeah, I know. I understand. Especially her because there's not a single Republican member of Congress that though, well, maybe gets. That would that would stand up and go, hey, 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 that, that's wrong. They all just kind of hang their heads, look the other way, and go, well, we'll yeah. let her go. Because none of them fought to get her back on her committees. Well, so apparently this process was, you know, the the allegations of challenging her candidacy. It it almost because there hasn't been any type of formal, um, I guess admonishment or accountability on the criminal level or, you know, outside of this, it seems kind of like they're just trying to harass her because when you file a complaint like this, there's a hearing, it's filed with the Secretary of State and it's an administrative hearing, so the burden of proof is on her. Like, it's not like when you're in court and the state has to prove everything for you. Um you have to prove that you are suitable for office. Yeah, it would be quite the coup to remove her from we'll office. remove her from the ballot. That's what they're trying to do. Right. And what I like is the name of, of the plaintiff, free speech for the people. Yeah. When, comp- when, when, when organizations like that say free speech, they mean anything but free speech. But her, you know, true to form, she can't come up with a, a a good response to save her life. She said, this is the same evil playbook the dishonest communist Democrats use against President Trump and his family. Yeah. She actually had a good quote, and I don't have it in front of me, that I saw yesterday. Like, if she could do more of that. But she also knows her base. And let me tell you, she plays well to sure her, her base. I'm not sure her entire base is on the exact same page as her, though. I think... I'm not talking Republicans. There's a strong base of, of uh, I mean, wh- who I refer to as spit cup Americans. Right, but my point is that that's not what the uh, 14th District is made up of. You'd be surprised. I understand. Like I've 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 been to her to her things and I see the I see the people that turn out for her. now maybe I just I don't see any any of the challengers and this is probably why they're filing a lawsuit going to dethrone her one because she's she's an incumbent two like I said the her supporters are I mean ravenly supporting her and I get that but the point is that. I mean, the people who show up are showing up because they are that type of supporter. There's other voters. And sure, it's all going to come down to turnout. It's going to come down to turnout in the primary and the general for her, really. Um, but. Well, I, d- I doubt we see uh, the 14th go Democratic. No, I don't but think it would so be- either. But it's still going to come down to turnout of like I- whether or not. Because people didn't turn out for Leffler and Purdue, and that is why that is part of why they lost. Well, yeah, but her fans will crawl across broken glass to vote for her, uh, and, and they they can't tell you why. And if if I say something, you know, criticizing uh, Marjorie, it, it, they go, "Well, I like her. She tells it the way it is, huh?" You know, I, I'll say something reasonable like, "We're not properly represented because our representative." is on no committees, and all she can do is vote up or down. Anything that she drops is in- instantly dead. So she can do nothing for the 14th. Well, she tells it the way it is. It's, well, she you know, might, oh, but God, she's it's, also it's the not same thing over and over. on a committee. 
Right. You know, the Army term for it is combat ineffective. She, so she even wrote something about, since I'm not on any committees, I had, a, I had a chance to see how Congress works and drops a bill that's instantly dead. Ah, it, it, I understand, it, even at our, at our state level, the folks that, that attempted to rise up against Ralston were, were you know, thrown in the, in the back halls of the, of the state capitol. I understand that stuff happens. Uh, I'd be interested to, to see, and I'd like to ask, uh, ask her, do you think that if Republicans retake Congress, that you will be put on committees? Because from what I've heard of, of the, the House leadership, they have no desire to, to deal with her. They're, they're, uh, they're fairly embarrassed of her. And so am I on a certain level. The, the persona that she puts out, the, the QAnon stuff that she does, when she shows up to rallies for somebody who has been openly uh, anti-Semitic, you know, I, that stuff's embarrassing. Because, again, I have to say, this is, yeah, this is my congresswoman. I bet Brett Raffensperger is like, this sucks, man, because he has to be involved in the hearing. Yeah, and he, uh, the well, here's the thing. The people who are totally pro-Margie, yeah, are are not Raffensperger people. because he didn't. The only thing I could hope is the hearing will come quickly so it can be cleared and out of the way. If if he removes it from the ballot, fine. Then we get you know qualifies this. This is probably on purpose that, that we don't get this until after qualifying. But then we have a, a, a several other people that we can decide on, and and money can go into those well, campaigns. It has to but be right now, after she qualifies, I've seen like, it's a candidacy challenge. Well, this but, is true. You know. <laughs> The 42-page complaint, I mean, it's, I don't know. I don't know how you, I mean, what's she going to say? Like, all she can get up there and say is, no, I didn't. No, I didn't. No, I didn't. Shaggy defense. Wasn't me. We got you on camera. Wasn't me. You know, all, all she gets to say is that, get up there and say, look, I was, Exercising my First Amendment right as a citizen of the United States, I never intended to uh, to overthrow the United States. So that that's all she can say. There's I don't know how you can prove you can't prove well, or disprove here, I'll, intent. I'll, I'll let me read you a, a couple lines from the lawsuit. So about because it kind of speaks to exactly what you're talking about. It says on January 5th, Pence informed Trump that he did not have the authority to unilaterally reject electoral votes, and consequently would not do so. This was widely and publicly reported that same day. Nonetheless, Green insisted that the following day would be, quote, our 1776 moment, and that, quote, the people will remember the patriots who stood for election integrity. And it says, 1776 was a code word for violence in the run-up to January 6th. For instance, Ali Alexander, a violent extremist who listed Representative Green as a speaker at his January 6th event and referred to Green as a friend, replied to a tweet by Green on December 30th, 2020, promising that 1776 is always an option if objections to certification were blocked. The responses indicate it was understood as a call to storm the Capitol. I mean, I hear you, but she didn't. He's, like, they literally are saying, this guy said it. He's, he replied to her tweet. I mean, and she's not allowed to delete stuff because we know what the law, you know, like, we know what you're supposed to do about that. So what was she supposed to do? Well, this all goes back to Alex Jones. That was his thing. 1776. Yeah, that was Alex Jones who started that stuff, who <clears throat> is playing a character. He's making fun of the people that listen to him. He's playing a character. Um, but it's funny that the, that the Q people and... All, all these these people have picked up on the on the Alex Jones things and kind of spun off of that. Hell, it wouldn't surprise me to find out that Alex Jones is Q, just to stir people up. And and, and he's pull, Alex Jones pulls an Andy Kaufman. If you remember Andy Kaufman, who was the 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 first troll 
where he, he pretended to be insane for like a year and a half and go on Letterman and stuff like that and just troll people. Alex Jones doesn't believe most of the stuff he says. And he, he, he went on Rogan and basically said, I'm an idiot. I'm an idiot sometimes. Uh, so the 1776 thing, it, it, that's where that comes from. It's going to be real hard for them to say that that's open insurrection against the United States to use co-term 1776 when we celebrate that every 4th of July. Well, I, you, you just can't blame someone else. I mean, it's just like, to put it in simpler terms, it's like when we had the trooper down here who was in jail without bond. And they wouldn't, the reason for not granting him bond was because they were concerned with how the community would act. Well, that's not a reason to withhold someone else's freedoms. It's the same thing here. You can't say she's right. not eligible for office because of what somebody else said. And let me tell you something. It doesn't matter how people feel about Green. It doesn't matter. If this is allowed to go through, and, and people, you know, especially out here, think that'd be a great way of, of getting a legitimate candidate in there, though, that'll actually, you know, work within the confines of Congress and, and not make the news every other day for the wrong reason. I understand all that. If you let this through, this establishes the way business is going to be done. That if we don't like a candidate, we're just going to sue them out of, out of existence. And I guarantee you, this group is not out of the 14th. No. I think they're from this North Carolina. This group is probably Carolina. funded by somebody else. Right. So, this is not the... They're, what, what they're saying is the people of the 14th don't have the right to uh, elect their own representative. Having all the facts, knowing what she said, knowing what she continues to say, and they continue to elect her, that's the right of the people when they go to the polls. Yeah. Look... I'd love to challenge Nancy Pelosi. Although I do like have the idea of having the devil in there you know, with her out of power so you can keep pointing at her and, and use her as a campaign strategy. But same thing with Barbara Boxer. I'd, I'd love to just oh, just file with, with, with the California Secretary of State and make them defend their actions and their words. But that's not, that's not the way a republic works. I you know, we have to we in the 14th have to concentrate on our own representatives and not what California I did um, speak and I just want to correct it before um, they're out of Massachusetts I misspoke because Madison Cawthorn is facing the same challenge in North Carolina the same group is representing them but it's Georgia voter like they're challenging on behalf of Georgia voters so there's a Georgia attorney here that's helping you know but the the free speech, right. Well, of course, they right. have to hire a Georgia attorney. But it's Georgia uh, voters Georgia who are bringing it. It's just being pushed by free speech for people, which is based in Newton, Massachusetts. So. Ah. Because nothing says Georgia more than yeah. Newton, Massachusetts. So we have Trump v. Clinton 2022. Because it just has to be the song that never ends. A 108-page complaint. I was a little shocked that there was not a statute uh, of limitations on stuff that happened in 2016. I don't yeah, know. Honestly, there's not, because he's doing it, but he's accusing Clinton, her campaign, various aides, Comey, the DNC, and others of racketeering conspiracy for allegedly joining in an unthinkable plot to falsely accuse Trump of colluding with Russia in the 2016 presidential election. You know, he he is keeping his name in the news. And he's continuing to do it by vilifying somebody that most Americans don't right. like anyway. Uh, he did just win a, a big court case against uh, Stormy Daniels. So maybe he's feel, feeling the flow from from that, I think it's like three hundred grand, something like that. He he won that she she owes him the court costs. Do you have it to give to him in currency? Uh, I doubt it. In currency, <laughs> somebody on TV broke it down to how many lap dances <laughs> you have to give. <laughs> how many was it? Have you made twenty dollars per lap dance and you owe three hundred thousand? <laughs> how many lap dances is that? <laughs> 
It came to so many per day for the next how many years? Well, it's 15,000 <laughs> lap dances. So if you wanted to knock it out in a year, you'd have to give 41 lap dances a day, every day for a year. Yeah, but average song is three minutes. That's 120 I mean, minutes. Should be dead. If you didn't stop. Yeah, I mean. Like if you didn't stop. If you, if you just had a, a <laughs> conveyor belt of, of people with, with $20 bills. <laughs> Way to tie a stripper well, into the Clinton story. Um, and those two things should no, never go together. No, they certainly shouldn't. But he, you know, they filed it in, in federal court in Florida, but... They, I love, I love the dramatic language attorneys use in things like this. Like in the run-up to the 2016 presidential election, Hillary Clinton and her cohorts orchestrated an unthinkable plot, one that shocks the conscience and is an affront to this nation's democracy. Acting in concert and concert, the, def the defendants maliciously conspired to weave a false narrative that their Republican opponent, Donald J. Trump, was colluding with a hostile foreign nation. They, they did, did do that. They did. Uh, it's just the language kills me. Like it was so an unthinkable plot. Like that that language was meant for the people. Yeah, it's it meant for us. It, it, that's not meant for the judge. The 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 <laughs> learned members of the bar see past that stuff. Unthinkable. Well, that assumes that all members of the bar are learned Unspeakable. members. But they are learned. They're not necessarily smart. The po Politico, though, I mean, they the, the coverage of this. First of all, I find it interesting, and I don't know if by the time we're like when we're recording, if it just hasn't gained a whole lot of traction yet. But it has not gained a whole lot of traction, and I was a little bit surprised. I just kind of expected um, the story to have more attention, but it seems Marjorie is taking it all. But. Um, Politico was not kind to him. Well, I the mean, fact they, that they called it a greatest hits of Trump's long-held grievances against the public figures, mostly closely associated with the investigation of his campaign's ties. Well, yeah, I mean, that's the entire point: is that they were all closely associated, and they said these things. Yeah i I don't think that anything will come of it. And look, the most media outlets are not are not going to cover it because it pro it has some validity to it. Another reason they're not going to cover it is there are actual things going on right now that that pertain one to the world in general, uh, our country, and people who are actually candidates on ballots. And Trump is none of those. Neither is Clinton. So as far as newsworthy stuff, I mean, it's, it's certainly noteworthy. But neither one of them is in office. Neither one of them is on, is on a ballot. Uh, is is it something that needs to be needs to go before a judge? Absolutely. Is it something that people should probably know about? Absolutely. But what are you going to push? You're going to push current election stuff. Are you going to push Ukraine? Are you going to push uh, uh, inflation in the economy off of the headlines in order to run this story? He accuses them of obstruction of justice and theft of trade secrets and unlawfully hacking into his private communications and. One article reported that, um, or the, that the suit seeks $72 million in damages, which is a lot of money. It is. But from whom? Who? You have to, you have to say, number one, that she was aware of everything's going on. And if you, if you compare this to Watergate, the break-in of the Watergate Hotel was not coordinated by Nixon, nor was it coordinated by Spiro Agnew. There's just no way at that level uh, the the sitting president or vice president would actually be authorizing something that petty. But they covered it up. So they were complicit in the cover-up. There's no. It's possible that Clinton had no idea and she was handed this information and she well, ran with it. So, once again, I would like the opportunity to, because I actually just opened up the... Uh, lawsuit in the first page that I went to. It says that on October 31st, 2016, eight days before the election, 
um, this guy Sullivan, I forget which what his first name is. I think, um, well, it doesn't matter. But um, he put out a written campaign statement that claimed that Trump and Rush, the Russians had set up a secret hotline through Alpha Bank and that federal authorities were investigating this direct connection between Trump and Russia. He portrayed the shocking discovery as the work of independent experts, computer scientists, and such without disclosing their attachment to Hillary Clinton or the Clinton campaign. And then it lists the entire statement, which is pretty long, that they put out. And it said that he was acting in the scope and authority of his employment with the Clinton campaign when he made the false statement, which was made with the intention of harming Trump and his campaign. I mean, that's true. And he was employed by the Clinton, like, are you, in, at what point are you responsible for what your employees put out? At, at the point that you know it's false. And, and I agree. Even if she found out at the end of October and you know, that first Tuesday is coming up fast, there's no way that she fires a guy and comes out and says it's not true. There's, I mean, nobody at that level of politics is that gracious. I'm not, I'm not excusing the, the actions, but it goes back to the whole idea of what did you know and when? You know, what did she know about this and you know, when did she know it and when did she decide to become part of the cover-up? Again, that's what got Nixon. It wasn't the actual break-in. It was the cover-up. But, you know, I, I would like to see this actually investigated by the DOJ. You know, I think that's, that's what this lawsuit's pushing is get it into the courts. If they can get a some sort of Civil, uh, civil fine, or they they win the lawsuit, then there there's can be an added push to get it in, into the DOJ. But the DOJ is run right now by Biden, and I, I just don't don't see that happening. But this is this is laying the groundwork for a 2024 run where if they win this lawsuit, even if if they win it, win one dollar, he can stand up and say, "Look, look what they did." And I have a I have a, a court that that found they were responsible for doing this, and we won it. The, the The amount doesn't matter. So, real quick, we have a Virginia judge says parents of twelve immune compromised kids can ask schools to require masks. So, this is the only reason I put this on there is because I think it's fascinating the way that the this went through the courts and came out with actually no resolution. So the headline is concerning because, you know, we've had public schools for centuries. We've had um, immunocompromised kids for in schools for centuries. And this is the first time that they're talking about having other kids in a class wear masks to protect the immunocompromised kids. But... So the headline in the, the story is that a, a Virginia judge ruled that the parents of the 12 children that sued can request that their schools require other students to wear masks. That is what happened. But, um, and this obviously came as a result of the governor signing the executive order saying that masks were optional in school and then the General Assembly coming behind them and signing it into law. So the plaintiffs filed the lawsuit under the Americans with Disabilities Act and said that they're not getting the reasonable com accommodations because of the law and the immunocompromised kids have to miss classes. So this judge, Judge Norman Moon, issues a preliminary injunction that says the families have the right to ask schools to require masks, but it doesn't force the schools to override the law. And then his argument said that though federal law supersedes state law and requires, quote, reasonable modifications for students with disabilities from um, otherwise applicable state or local laws. So the order reaffirms the executive order and the, the, the law that was passed, but says parents have the right to make choices. So, I mean, but I'm trying to figure out when they, how they didn't have the right to ask before the lawsuit. Like you spend all this money and you're declaring it a victory and the media is declaring it a victory, but it's literally the same. Like the school system can say, well, we can't. All they, all they have to do is like put the kid in a classroom on his own or put all the immunocompromised, like mask wearing students in a classroom on their own. It, it, it makes zero sense to me, but 
just getting all or on yeah. Zoom. Hey, look, even before this, we had John Travolta, yeah. the boy in the bubble, where they, his homework was brought to him because he was immune compromised. He lived in his own bubble. But <clears throat> reasonable accommodation is not that everybody around you bend to what you need. It has never been that. It is a reasonable, right, it's reasonable accommodation, meaning if if I have a if if I have a desk job that's open for somebody, someone comes in a wheelchair that I get I move the desk or get a desk tall enough to get the wheelchair in there, something like that. It is not. Uh, I have to require I have to hire a paraplegic to be an air conditioning tech, knowing that he can't can't drive, can't can't lift equipment, can't lift equipment, can't uh, work with tools. Say reasonable accommodation being that that all all the everybody else bend around him and he gets his own driver and so to carry the tools and he's just there. That's not reasonable uh, accommodation. Telling every other kid you have to wear a mask because these twelve kids is not reasonable accommodation. It, the word is reasonable. And violating state and federal law is not reasonable. I don't know. I, I, the, I guarantee the parents didn't spend any money on this. This, this is a, this is more uh, anti-mask advocacy st- or mask advocacy uh, madness that's out there. And look, it's sad to me that masks have become a political statement. Uh, you know, it's it's a wearing a mask is is uh, is now uh, thumbing your nose at, at anybody who that essentially conservatives have been saying since I don't know for more than two years now that masks aren't going to help you. It's sad because you you, know, you should be able to make your own decision based on your your own health that I should wear a mask or I don't need to wear a mask or I decide that I'm willing to throw the dice on the table and take a chance I'm not wearing one. Is look, it's a crime against humanity for me to cover up this face. It deprives everyone around me of being able to see me. All right, Jessica, since we're winding down, how about sure, your closing thought? Um, for some reason, there's been a lot of violence in Miami the last week, I guess, um, in the entertainment district with some spring breakers and things like that. And so they instituted a curfew from... Um, Midnight to 6 a.m., businesses had to close, and I, I haven't been following it closely enough to know where it's all coming from, but the um, point that I am, they, the, the curfew did not, I guess, alleviate the violence, so they decided to um, order the sale of or distribution of any alcoholic beverages for off-premise consumption um, from 6 p.m., on for Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. Whatever. I don't, I mean, if people want to act a fool, they're going to act a fool. But my favorite quote, like they interviewed all these people, as the media always does, and they had these two guys from New York City. And they're like, I've never had a curfew before, and no one tells me what to do. And this guy's like, I think it's totally insane. We're from New York City, and we don't like that stuff. Um, Sir, um, the entire world watched as the city and state of New York was brought to its knees during COVID and did not challenge any restriction or limitation and said, thank you, sir. May I have another? So, you know, I'm sorry that your party week is being disrupted and I I don't agree with it, but let's not pretend like these are some rebels without a cause from the state of New York. And they're just down here in the people's Republic of Miami trying to rise up and, Liberate. Ugh, I've just thought it was laughable. So that's my closing thought. This this happens. <clears throat> this rotates around the South. Uh, Fort Lauderdale used to be the 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 spot to go to, and kids got a hand. And look, when I grew up down there, we knew it was spring when the news talk, told about a uh, college kid who tried to jump to the pool from his balcony, uh, not understanding that it looks a lot closer to uh, to the pool from the balcony. Uh, way up high and it goes splat. It ha- happened every year. So Fort Lauderdale started to shut it down, crack down on it. Then it, you know, then it went to Daytona, and then it went to Panama City. Uh, now in Gulf Shores, in the springtime, it is illegal to drink on the beach. 
Only in spring. Well, I mean, I don't agree with any of that. You know, like I, I, I don't. I just. Well, and well, yeah. Well, the communities do this because spring breakers don't spend money. They actually drive away people who do spend money. When I say they don't spend money, eight will get a hotel room. They'll go to Walmart and buy a bunch of beer instead of instead of going and buying at the restaurants. Uh, they'll, they'll go to go to McDonald's and they, then they trash the beach and show no respect for because you know they're they're just renting or they're just there temporarily. They don't live there. Sure. They don't care if they trash the beach. Uh, so that's that's where it's coming from is trying to push them. But this tends to rotate around from beach to beach. As soon as somewhere relaxes, they go there. I don't know, man. I, I don't know what the cure is other than uh, a heightened police presence. And, you know, then we'll hear my, Miami's turning itself into a police state. Oh, speaking of vacations, I, I have a new spot to go. Uh, Epstein's Islands are up for sale. How much? $125 million, which really is a bargain for owning two islands. One that's fairly well developed, the smaller one, and the bigger one that, that is available for, to develop. And I'm sure the bargain price is sort of like if you find a murder house, uh, it's going to be a lot cheaper because a lot, a lot of buyers will be pushed off of it. But I thought that was interesting that that made the news. And before anybody gets offended, the, the proceeds will be used to pay his debts, including those who have judgments against right. him. There's that fund that or his is estate, I should say, against him. Disperse. Right, and this hundred twenty-five million, whatever it sells for, will go minus the real estate fees. Blah blah blah. Will go into that fund to to compensate victims. I know there's no compensation for what happened. I understand that, but it'll go into that fund to distribute to those who have gotten judgments against against him and now now have it against the state. So it's not that you're I mean, so really buying this is helping the victims. So if anybody wants to loan me the hundred twenty-five million. Let me know. I'll, I'll let you. I'll let you uh, fly in and use the helipad. Wow, that's so nice of you. What a trade-off. I know. I know. Can we get a sponsor for that? Let me know. <laughs> All right. So, Jessica, thank you very much. Eric, thank you for for editing and again for the other show that I do. Sorry, <laughs> I'm Dave Roberts. Have a great week.